From Central Park to the Brooklyn Bridge to the New York Botanical Garden, New York City is home to many places that provide the perfect backdrop for a wedding, or at least the wedding photo shoot. Hi, I'm George Boracchi, and this is Cityscape. Johnny Herbert knows a thing or two about weddings. He's a wedding musician who's performed at more than 300 ceremonies around the country. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. You'd be like heaven to touch. I want to hold you so much. More of Johnny Herbert's delightful sounds coming up. But first, walk with me down the aisle to meet Peter Barukowitz, wedding officiant extraordinaire. Peter, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you. So how long have you been a wedding officiant now? As far as a full-time business, about 10 years now. What inspired you to get into this line of work? Well, I I kind of fell into it, actually. I had uh, come to New York to be an actor and to work in the theater, and I did that extensively for many, many years. And I I had some success, and uh, I would say the last decade or so before I left the business, I was a professional extra. I would do background work and bit parts and movies and TV, all the stuff that was shooting here in New York. But, you know, unless you're a, a big star, it's not a very glamorous life, and it can get quite grueling. You know, being on the set at three in the morning and the freezing cold or whatever. And as I got older, I decided I need to start looking for something else to do. And all I'd ever done was the theater. That's why I came to New York. Did you ever play an officiant? I did not, actually. I usually uh, was uh, bikers, thugs, you know, that kind. I'm a, a big guy, you know, so I usually played the bad guy, actually. And at that point, a friend of mine who was doing, uh, who was officiating part time, was really overwhelmed with work. He couldn't balance it between his full time job, and he uh, knew that I had been ordained as, a, as an interfaith minister early on, and uh, I had never really used it. I did one wedding for a friend in college or whatever, and he said, "You know, I'm I have so much work. Would you like to come on board and, and kind of help me?" And I started writing his ceremonies, and then he was booked one time, and I got to do a ceremony. And the very, the very moment I did it, it, everything clicked into place. It brought everything from my theatrical background, writing, directing, performing, even stage management. And I just knew, I said, this is it. This is what I want to do. And after that, I focused on it completely. And, and now that's what I do full time. So that being said, what's involved with being an officiant? Well, uh, the most important thing for me is to give the couple exactly what they want. Uh, in a ceremony. You know, before officiants came along, people basically had two options. They could get married in a church or a house of worship. A lot of times that didn't work for people, either because they weren't particularly religious or they weren't affiliated with uh, with a church or a synagogue. And the other choice was to go to City Hall, where you wait in line, you take a number, and they call you like at a deli, and you go in for a uh, impersonal cookie-cutter ceremony. And people wanted more than that. So what my job really is, is to give the couple exactly what they want in their wedding ceremony, whether it's religious, whether it's cultural traditions, whether it's a mixture of the two. Uh, I get to interview the couple, really get to know what they are looking for or not looking for, equally important, 
and uh, and deliver a ceremony that is something they'll always remember and treasure. Do you get to know couples through in-person communication or through uh, email? Yeah, I usually – I mean I do marry a lot of couples from uh, out of the country, in which case we usually meet via FaceTime or Skype or something like that. But if at all possible, an in-person in, in face-to-face connection is my, my preference. You really can get to know a couple better that way, though it can be done electronically in this marvelous age of communication. What are couples primarily looking for? Is there a common thread in the work that you do? Would you say is it completely different from couple it, it to couple? Really, it really ve- it depends on the couple. Uh, I do a lot of interfaith weddings, which I really love, uh, bringing cultural traditions and wedding traditions from, from all, all over the world, Jewish traditions. Some of my favorite weddings are Hindu weddings. The Hindu wedding traditions are just just so rich and full of color and and just exuberance and love. So it really depends. Some couples want a very traditional, formal ceremony the way we've seen in every movie, you know? Other people want something that isn't like any other wedding. Those are usually the biggest challenges because there are certain requirements that we do need to fulfill in New York. Basically, I do and pronouncing them married. So when people don't want, I don't want anything like a traditional wedding, that's a bit more of a challenge. But uh, it's really across the board and that's what makes my job so fun and exciting is that every every wedding is different. Does the couple know exactly what's going to come out of your mouth or is there also an element of surprise? That's an excellent question. Uh, no, there's no real surprise unless something goes wrong. I mean, I once had a bridesmaid faint because of the heat or whatever. She was fine. We sat her down and gave her water. She was fine. So unless something goes wrong, part the way that I work is after I have this interview or several interviews with the couple, I write a draft of their ceremony, which I then email to them. And they can look it over and either say, yes, it's perfect. Don't touch a word, which happens. Or they'll say, yeah, well, we weren't crazy about the reading or we don't want to do the unity ritual, whatever that is. And I make those changes and send it back to them. The only variant on that is that if it's a a genuine elopement, if it's really just the couple and a witness, then uh, they they don't. I don't don't send a script for that because it's such a personal and intimate and, and quick thing, whether it's in my office or at uh, in Central Park or whatever, and in, in that case, then it just uh, they it comes at them as as the ceremony goes on. But usually, they they know exactly what I'm going to say. Speaking of Central Park, mm-hmm. is that one of the more romantic places that you have officiated the wedding? Uh, absolutely. Uh, people come from all over the world to get married in Central Park. Uh, of course, a lot of New Yorkers do too. It's such a, a part of our everyday life. But uh, so many, I've had married couples from the UK, from Ireland, from France, all over the world that come to get married in Central Park. And uh, whenever I get a, re- a request, usually the first question that they ask is, where would you suggest? Because Central Park is a very big place with many different locations. So I thought it would be fun and, and kind of informative to put together some videos showing all the the different really cool places in Central Park to get married that some people wouldn't necessarily know. Such as what? Uh, well, one of my favorites is the Ladies' Pavilion, which is a beautiful gazebo-like structure on the shore of the lake. It originally, uh, when there was still ice skating on the lake, it's where the ladies used to change into their skates. Uh, it's covered. It has benches. It's perfect for a, a ceremony of, of 10 to 12 people. It's it's just, it's beautiful. Uh, Wagner Cove is, is a terrific little wooden structure also on the shore of the lake. Used to be a ferry landing when boats used to go back and forth on the lake. That's very tiny. That's really good for very small elopements, just the couple and, 
and a witness or two. But uh, there's just so many, so many locations in Central Park that I put together some some videos that uh, really show all these these areas. And if people are interested, and it's it's interesting because you can learn about Central Park even if you don't want to get married there. I always try to include some history and some uh, little anecdotes about the the locations. So you can always go to YouTube and search for the Central Park Wedding Tour. And uh, they should pop up. And I'm really proud of them. And they're real short. You can binge watch the whole thing in 15 minutes. So, What's the most unusual place you married someone? Uh, I don't know if it's all that unusual, but it was certainly the most staggering for me was was at Yankee Stadium. Hmm. You know, I uh, my dad and my brother uh, took me to my first ba- baseball game at Yankee Stadium. Uh, it was so long ago, Mickey Mantle hit a home run. Huh. So it's uh, Yankee Stadium has really been part of my memory for half a century, right? And the idea that I was actually standing on the field at Yankee Stadium officiating a wedding, I wish my dad had still been with me, but uh, I, I sent my brother a, a picture uh, and he texted back and said, I can't believe you're standing on the the field of Yankee Stadium. Good for you. So that was, I, I, I really loved it there. So would you say that was the most memorable wedding you officiated or um, are there well, others? You know, I, I've been very fortunate that no... Weddings are, are memorable because something bad happened. People are often asking me, oh, did you ever have a runaway bride or something like that? No, other than this poor bridesmaid who fainted. Nothing really dramatic has happened. So the two things that make most memorable weddings for me are indeed the location. Yankee Stadium really st- sticks out. But, you know, George, I know you like to walk around the city and, and discover new things. Mm-hmm. And being an officiant is really like that. I get to go to places that not only would I never have been to, but don't even know about like there's there's, up here in the Bronx there's a beautiful park called Wave Hill which the 40 years that I've lived in New York I never knew about and I did a ceremony there last spring and it just opened up this whole new world for me of these gorgeous places so the locations really stick out also if there's an emotional impact really of course every wedding is special and beautiful but you know some have much deeper impact than others Right after marriage equality was uh, legal here in New York, we were quite early uh, among the states, and I was asked to officiate a wedding out on Fire Island for uh, a gay couple, two men. They'd been together over 50 years. They were both in their 70s, uh, and it it was such an emotional beauty. The entire town came out. We did it on the beach. It was a beautiful day. The entire town came out to witness these these two beautiful men who had been together for so long who thought they would never see the day that they could be legally married and that I was able to do that for them, that that really sticks out. Prior to becoming an officiant, were you always someone who just simply enjoyed weddings? You know, I really, I didn't, I didn't go to all that many. Uh, I have, I have three older brothers, and and they were all married, so I went to theirs, and a few of my friends. To, to be honest, no, I was never crazy about about going to weddings. It's, uh, it was just something. Yeah, I put on my suit and go. You know, sometimes the food was really nice, but it wasn't something that. Oh, good. You know, my friends getting married. I have to to, to rush out. So, uh, so it was a surprise to me when all of a sudden I'm making my living doing this. So. Does the officiant stay for the reception? Do you get to have some food um, and do a little know, dance it, if it, you want it, the two? It certainly depends. I, I'm not always asked, but I'm usually asked to at least stay, stay for cocktail hour, which I enjoy doing unless I have obviously another wedding to, to dash to or whatever, especially at a, a location, a 
glamorous location in New York or, or Long Island or even New Jersey. There's some beautiful places. So I'll usually stay for, for cocktail hour and, and have a nosh or two before hopping on the train and coming back to the city. I only, the only time I actually stay for the full dinner is if I'm marrying somebody that I know that are friends and, you know. Do people come to you frequently? You know what, Peter? We're getting married. We want you to be the guy. Friends, family. <laughs> uh, yeah, every now and then. Uh, though it sometimes causes a, a little bit of, of trouble. Like my brother, when he got married, he'd been with his now wife for almost 30 years. And uh, he he was like, well, they her family's from Hawaii and we're in New York and it was all over. And they felt so worried that if they didn't get married here uh, – and that I couldn't officiate that it would be a problem. So they wound up, they ran, they ran away and they eloped. <laughs> and they told me after the fact, and they said, oh, we hope you're not insulted that we didn't ask you. It's like, please, you know, it's your wedding. You should do what you need to do. But um, I'm always happy. I do offer a, a slight discount to friends and family. Uh, so I'm always happy to do it. And and on some occasions when they're really dear friends, then it's I, I give it as my gift, my wedding gift to them is, is that I, I do their ceremony. So. So how many wedding photos are you in? I guess another way to ask that question is how many weddings have you officiated? Uh, th- that's a, t- a tough question. I average now about 100 a year. Wow. Yeah. Uh, of course, some years are, are bigger than others, but uh, in high season, it's not uncommon for me to do three or four in a weekend, you know, a Friday night, two on a Saturday, Sunday evening, whatever. So uh, close to a thousand weddings at this point I've probably officiated for. So do couples essentially interview you? Absolutely. I, I kind of look at it as another audition. You know, I'm back to the, the, the theatrical thing. There's a lot of officiants in New York, uh, a lot of very good officiants in New York. Of course, sometimes it's a, it's a very personal thing. They want a man. They want a woman. They, you know, whatever. Uh, they like my look. They don't like my look, whatever. But, uh, yes, they're absolutely auditioning me as well as I'm interviewing them to find out what they want in, in a ceremony and an officiant. Do you at all keep in touch with any of the couples? I uh, occasionally do. I, I like to send an anniversary card on their first anniversary. I send a, a nice little card to them. But, you know, I marry so many folks that it's it's really hard to keep up. Now and then, uh, couples, especially from out of the country, that come back to New York. I've been uh, invited out to dinner a few times, say, hey, we're coming. We'd love to see you. Uh, thank you again. And uh, it, But it, it's it's kind of rare. Are there any vows that stick in your mind? Wow, that was the sweetest thing I ever heard a couple uh, say to yeah, each other. There, there, there's a, a few. Uh, there, there was one groom who... He he took out three typewritten pages. I thought, oh my goodness, you know this is just going to be long and boring. And it was so from the heart. And he started talking about his role as a, as a, a husband, as a lover, as a father, hoping to be. It just went on. It was so beautiful. There wasn't a dry eye in the house when it was done. And so that really taught me that, uh, you know, long doesn't always mean bad. As long as it's from the heart and, and someone is really speaking of, of their love, it, it can be a very powerful, resonant thing. That being said, does being an efficient change your outlook on love and marriage, would you say? Uh, it certainly has opened up my heart to the various degrees of love that out there that are out there and how deeply people can love each other especially when i'm marrying couples that have been together for years and are finally taking the leap and and making it legal 
they've been through so much together already. They're so much part of part of each other's lives already. It it really made me look at love and relationships in in a, in a different light. Peter, thanks so much. Thank you, George. Peter Barukowitz is a wedding officiant here in New York City. If you want him to tie your knot, check him out at ourweddingofficiantnyc.com. Now, back to the music and our friend, the wedding musician, Johnny Herbert, who's with us in the studio, ukulele in hand. Johnny, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. So how long have you been performing at weddings now? I've been a freelance musician for six years now. And I do about 30 weddings per year. It's part of what I do. Um, there's some other musical things I do. But uh, weddings are some of the more fun things that I do as part of my work. What inspired you to tap the wedding market? Well, I had been working at a church. And uh, I was doing about the same number of weddings per year there, um, being on staff. But the, the numbers were kind of going down. Fewer and fewer people were getting married in the church. So I decided to kind of take what I do on the road. And I got a great response from clients. Uh, I think my clients like the combination of piano and ukulele and uh, that I do and that I also sing. So it's it's turned out pretty well. What came first for you, the piano or the ukulele? It was piano, which I started when I was eight. Um, so I've been playing a very long time. And then uh, I picked up uke about five years ago um, when a family was planning music for a funeral. And they asked if I could play Over the Rainbow, the version by Iz. So, so I bought a ukulele to accommodate them. And uh, I had no idea this would happen, but I get asked to do more ukulele gigs now than piano gigs. Is that right? Yep. Why do you think that is? I think, especially for a wedding, the uke is just a laid-back, romantic, kind of upbeat, fun sound. Um, There's still a lot of people who prefer piano or string quartet. But, uh, yeah, and and like you were mentioning in pop culture, too, there's movies that have kind of, you know, brought the uke back or... Um, you know, some popular uke players right now, so it's it's kind of in right now. The uke, to me, is very tropical. Yeah. It makes you feel warm inside. Yeah. And happy. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm playing, uh, people kind of start bouncing their heads, tapping their toes, singing along, um, and you just get a good vibe. I think uh, it sets a peaceful, calm vibe, especially um, at a wedding where there might be some stress. Uh, especially with the the bride and groom, um, that the uke kind of just helps to calm everything down. Is it an, is it an intuitive instrument to learn? It's not hard. Um, with four chords, you could play a million songs. Uh, so basically, maybe ten or fifteen minutes, you you could pick up these chords pretty quick. It's easier than a six string guitar because you have four strings. And uh, some of these chords, the very basic chords, only require one or two fingers. Um, so it's pretty easy to pick up. So what goes into preparing to perform at a wedding ceremony? I talk to my clients. Um, They'll pose some potential songs that they might want. Um, I'll record samples. We'll go back and forth to make sure it's what they want, and I can give them the option of piano or ukulele, whichever they prefer. And then when it comes to the wedding day, um, it always ends up being a little different because I kind of look at it like I'm providing a score for their event. So they enjoyed my sample, and I, I worked hard on my sample, but I always kind of let them know when it comes to the day, it might end up being a little different because you never know what's going to happen, happen timing-wise, how long it's going to take a uh, flower bearer or a uh, ring bearer or flower girl to make it down the aisle. Um, so I just try to time it so almost like uh, the score of a movie. Um, it just kind of follows the action. 
How frequently are you learning new music for a wedding? Um, maybe half of the weddings I do, I'll, I'll have a new song. Uh, but I provide a list um, that my clients can choose from, and most times they'll, they'll find something on there they like. A lot of times, I, I think my clients kind of prioritize music um, just by the fact that they found me. You know, I'm a little different. Um, and what I provide is a little different. So they found me and music is important to them. They usually do have these special songs in mind already. What are among the most popular songs these days? The number one is Over the Rainbow on the ukulele, which is, uh, I had no idea this would happen, but it's the song I now perform more than any other song. Uh, Canon and D, you know, instrumentals is still popular. Can't Help Falling in Love mm. is uh, a big request. Um, you know, songs by Jason Mraz, Jack Johnson. Those are, those are the big ones. You brought your uke mm-hmm. with you today. Yeah. Can you play something for us? Sure. Wise men say Only fools rush you But I can't help falling in love with you. Shall I stay? Would it be a a sin if I can't help falling in Bravo, Johnny Herbert. That is fantastic. That is such a great sound. Thank you. I appreciate that. Can we have you do Over the Rainbow before we let you go? Johnny Herbert is a wedding musician. You'll find him online at johnnyherbert.net. Someday I'll wish upon a star Wake up where the clouds are far behind Me Where troubles melt like lemon drops High above the chimney top That's where you'll Finally, long after the I do's, sometimes comes the, did you really? 
Writer John Kenny has penned a book of poetry that takes a witty look at life after marriage. It's called Poems for Married People. The Brooklyn resident joins me now on the phone. John, thanks for taking my call. George, thank you for having me. So what inspired you to start writing poems about married life? Money, mostly. There's, really, <laughs> there's good money in poetry. Um, I had written a, a humor piece for the New Yorker magazine two or three years ago uh, called Valentine's Day Poems for Married People, um, six or eight. Uh, exceptionally bad poems about the silliness of marriage. Um, and last summer, my editor suggested uh, turning it into a book uh, of 70 or so poems. I thought she was kidding. She was deadly serious. And uh, she gave me six weeks to do it. So uh, it was a real sprint last summer to do this. So did you analyze your own marriage to write these poems? I did both with the help and um, agreement of my wife, but also reached out to friends married in long-term relationships and uh, asked for sort of a little window into what life is like. And the universality was really astounding. People would come back with so many similar things. Um, What are among the common themes? Annoying husbands. is is one and as as an annoying husband uh, i can i can speak to that i think what's sort of so common is um you know you start off and you're wildly in love and it's romantic and you know life sort of has a way of of wearing you down um there's a great quote about marriage a successful marriage requires falling in love many times always with the same person and you know once you have kids and jobs and stuff and in-laws and dogs there's not a ton of time for you and your significant other and uh i think that's where sort of the chaos and the comedy happens how long have you been married yourself? I have been married for 14 years, and I count myself very lucky. And you said your wife helped you out with this project? Absolutely, yeah. She's a, a wonderful writer and editor, and uh, I would work on these things, and I would, I would bring them to her and, and let her read them and sit like a small dog waiting for her to, to laugh. Uh, oftentimes she didn't, but that's good because she's a, as a really tough critic. And uh, so would get rid of those or rework them. And uh, yeah, I just I can't I can't uh, thank her enough for for her guidance and support on all of this. Let me ask you this question: Have you ever worn, or do you currently still wear corduroys? Uh, I'm wearing corduroy shorts uh, right now, George. Um, they're culottes, but um, I lived in corduroys for a long time. That poem, I will say, is not about me. It's not. No, amazingly. I'm going to read it. Just the other day, you said to me accusatorily, well, I guess I don't have any corduroys anymore. One, I did not throw out your pants. Two, I have never seen you wear corduroys. Three, it's June. A lot of these are written from a female perspective. And uh, there is a universality, I think, about guys. And uh, man, we just, how women tolerate us, I don't know. (laughs) I really don't. What are among your favorite poems in the book? I'll read one my wife is fond of. It's called, Why Are You in the Shower with Me? Did the bathtub shrink? I ask, because here we are, naked, showering together like we once did all the time. Remember, at the beginning, we would stand and talk, seals slipping by one another, a playful ease letting the other into the stream. Now, I'm not sure what you're doing in here. I'm freezing. There's shampoo stinging my eyes. You just stepped on my foot. 
for the love of Christ who flushed the toilet, because I'm being scalded alive. Get out now. It was a nice idea, though, honey. Could you close the door? Might have been a nicer idea on the honeymoon, right? Changes. I think that's right. I remember doing that a long time ago, less so now. So what is your advice to keep the spark? I mean, you said falling in love with the same person over again, but what's your advice in that? Oh, boy. I'm not one to normally give advice, but, man, it's, uh, I think you have to look into a marriage, not out, right? Whether it's a marriage, whether it's new, whether it's a long-term relationship, um, it's, uh, it takes work, but, man, it's, it's, it's worth it. Do you have another poem lined up that you can read for us? Yes, I do. It is called, I Breathe You. I am dreaming, but it feels so real. A man, is it you? Not even close. It's Rob, Casey's husband, the one with the Italian accent. We are on the beach. Rob and me, not you. He chases me playfully, and we laugh. Then my top falls off. Oops, I giggle, and he catches me. And then a terrible smell like garbage, wet dog, death. I am blinking and awake, and your breath hot on my face. You son of a bitch. Rob, come back. <laughs> what did your married friends, the ones that you sort of probed for this book, for these poems, what did they think of the poems once they read them? Uh, none of them speak to me anymore, so <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they seem to like them. Uh, you know, they, they, they bought the book, and... Uh, yeah, they, 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 they um, again, I think it, it was mostly women who I, I solicited for these things, and, and I, I think most of the poems um, come from the, the point of view of a woman, because uh, I think uh, guys are kind of dopes, <sighs> but they seem to like them. I think if you're a married couple and you sit down to read these poems together, you're going to laugh, and I guess that's also part of it, right? You have to laugh at yourselves. Oh, I think so. I think so. You know, the times when I've taken myself too seriously in life, whether it was a job or a relationship, is the times when I've been unhappiest. Um, When I can laugh at it all, it's, uh, boy, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? The book is Love Poems for Married People. John Kenny, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. We leave you now with a little more from wedding musician Johnny Herbert. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producer Maddie Bristow, and thank you so much for listening.